I'm Sifal. I'm Marvin. And, and welcome, welcome to... Tell me about... Tell me about... Hey guys, I'm Sufal. I'm Mervin. And welcome to TMA. Today we actually have a really special episode for everyone. It's been a while since we've had like a pure research episode, but pretty much we're going to be talking about kidney stones, their formation, and how to treat them. Yeah, um, so I guess I guess we should explain why we're doing kidney yeah, stones. Yeah, I mean, it's thing. kind of a convoluted explanation. Okay, but long story short, um, Sufal and I were in this biology class uh, at McMaster, and we had to do some presentation on, I don't know, we had kidney stones or blood loss. Yeah, it was like extreme blood loss or something. And, yeah. and we just thought kidney stones was like way easier to do. Yeah, um, it was also way more fun. Yeah, way more fun. Uh, hopefully this, this is entertaining. Yeah. Um, And actually, no, so what were the odds again like of us being partnered? We didn't pick each other, by the way. No, 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 no. Okay, first of all, I think we, we weren't even in the same lab section originally, but COVID closed down labs. So we had online labs. Mm-hmm. That made us get in the same tutorial or same lab section. And then there's like a 0.2% less than that for us to end up in the same seminar presentation. Mm, I mean, okay, we're not, we're not math students, but like what if there's 24 students and like you had to pair two of them randomly, uh, yeah, what are those odds pretty much? But yeah, it's, it's yeah. low, it's low. Yeah, someone someone tell us that later on. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so we're doing kidney stones today. Well, I mean, some people have to listen to this, our seminar people. Yeah. Um, but for those of you listeners who do not have to endure the next 20 minutes, you know, I guess you can skip around. But if those of you in our class, I'm sorry, we'll try to make this, you know, entertaining but i don't know if it will be yeah i think we'll do a great job also big shout out to emily emily mm. garrett rta she honestly jumped hurdles i, I assume it jumped hurdles she can tell us later. <laughs> <laughs> but pretty much uh we asked her like yo like do you think we can do a podcast we learned about her mutual admiration for sysk yep great podcast kind of what we modeled ours after but we're not copying we're not copying yeah we're not plagiarizing so also Big uh, big point that you guys should be aware of. We do have visuals for this podcast specifically. Now, during our presentation, we'll be playing a YouTube video that you guys can also access. It's a link in the description. It has a visual synced up with what we're talking about. Uh, but if you just want to scroll through the slides real quick, we also have a link to some Google slides. So now that we've kind of covered why the hell we're doing this podcast, let's talk about what exactly a kidney is. Marvin, do you know what a kidney is? It looks like a bean. Great point. I'm going to touch on beans later. But kidneys are an organ that are touched in touched it excuse me <laughs> okay okay <laughs> kidneys are an organ found in vertebrates and us humans were vertebrates uh some so other kidneys, vertebrates right? i can yeah. think about on th- off the top of my head are like fish yeah, okay so they have kidneys like fish yeah. or cats my yeah, my cat has kidneys. Kidneys then. Yeah. yeah exactly so th- in terms of visual aspect they look like a bean like you said yeah they're like a bean but like larger like yeah fist size? actually i don't know it, actually i googled this pretty much a, a kidney is the size of your fist so um if you Clench, oh, clenched fist. That there was emphasize a a clenched large fist. Oh, large. Whatever a large fist yes. defines. Um. Like. Yeah. But yeah, a kidney bean. Actually, no, kidney bean. <laughs> a kidney bean. Well, kidney beans look like kidneys. Um. Yeah. But maybe we should say kidneys look like beans. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Um, that. I mean, that's actually a great point. But we'll talk about that later after the podcast. Okay. But pretty much, they're found in these places in our body called retroperitoneal space, the right and left, because we have two of them. And uh, if you want to like feel your body and kind of estimate where it is. Imagine you had abs, mm-hmm. rock hard abs. So to like the top, you, oh, you do? Okay, cool, cool, I guess. To the right and left of where abs would technically be. Purpose of kidneys, well, uh, I'm sure everybody in our class knows this, but they're used to filtrate our blood, take waste products out, and put it into our urine. A side fact that's actually pretty relevant is we produce about 0.99 to 2.3 liters of blood a day. Sorry, liters of blood, my apologies. Urine a day. <laughs> and uh, the pH of urine is usually between 4.8 to 7.2, which will be relevant later on. 
And uh, kidneys also control the volume and electrolyte con like concentrations and composition of all bodily fluids, including urine, blood, and whatever else we have in our body. Yeah. So uh, now that I've uh, butchered explaining about where exactly kidneys are, I'll let you talk about the functions. Yeah, so I'll butcher this part. So yeah, there's four functions. Um, honestly, it's a little bit of a rehash, but just to mention it, uh, kidneys are responsible for filtration, yep. reabsorption, mm -hmm. secretion, and excretion. Uh, I don't have an acronym for this, so you just have to remember, I guess. F-R-S-E. No, that's not a fris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, filtration. Um, we learned that, yeah, kidneys, apparently, they filter 108 liters of volume a day um, through hydrostatic pressure. Um, and it's just okay. to get rid of waste products, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, waste products. But we do want to keep some stuff. So that's why we have function of reabsorption. Mm -hmm. And you do need to keep some sodium. Um, keep some water is important, too, and glucose. Um, so it's kind of like a balance between reabsorption and filtration, which I think we're going to mention a little bit more. Yeah, we will. Uh, right. And then secretion. This one we're not going to touch on as much today, but apparently, yeah, kidneys are responsible for uh, hormone release. I think the one we've covered in class was actually renin. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other ones that are also involved. Yeah. And then lastly, excretion, because, you know, eventually, you know, kidneys, you got you to gotta rid get rid of stuff. They right? got to go somewhere. They got to go somewhere. So you got to go from nephrons to collecting duct. Uh, to eventually to your ureter, to your uh, bladder, um, and it, all this stuff mentioned in the toilet. Actually, now that we've talked about, you know, the four functions, tell me more about the bean and the bean? what's what's in the bean. Okay, so the bean, aka the kidney, has an outer part and an inner part. We jokingly say it's outer bean and inner bean, but yeah. the scientific names would be outer renal cortex and inner renal medulla. Yeah. So, and the kidney has, it's made of a bunch of lobes, and each of these lobes has what's in it called, it's, it's made of like a renal pyramid part, and also a renal cortex uh, surrounds that uh, medulla. Yeah. So the pointy ends of the pyramids are called papillae. I didn't name this, but that's what they are. Yep. And they point towards the center of the kidney and empty into what's called a minor calyx, which is like, a, I guess it's a little space. And then in terms of the bigger space called a major calyx. Mm -hmm. Once again, I didn't name any of these. And eventually it gets to an even bigger space called the renal pelvis. Uh, if you're not sure, once again, we have a diagram for this or on a, on a slide. So definitely check that out. Yeah, definitely. So oh, not. Yeah. So now that we've talked about the renal pyramid, the cool part, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about nephrons. So nephrons are this thing that I'm sure even people who don't really, you know, care about science probably might have heard, heard of. Heard of it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you don't care about science. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, I care about science and I heard of it. <laughs> okay, sure. So pretty much there's this urine-producing structure. Uh, they're found throughout the cortex and medulla, the outer bean and the inner bean we mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Pretty much inside the cortex, we have a renal corpuscle. The corpuscle essentially has renal tubules that lead to the medullar pyramid that pyramid that we mentioned again earlier. The renal tubules all collect and drain into collecting ducts. Filtration and reabsorption, pretty much they have a balance, and this balance is super important right. regarding not forming kidney stones and just having like a healthy body in general. Yeah, like you don't want an imbalance because it's pretty much the imbalance between these two processes that cause you to have a kidney stone. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, nephrons have several parts. We're not going to dig too much into that. Uh, you could probably take a course on kidneys on its own. But uh, a few of the parts that are important are Bowman's capsule, which reabsorbs filtrate but unevenly. Mm -hmm. And this is like a section of the nephron. But this uneven uh, absorption is actually really important because when water is depleted from those sections, the uneven reabsorption causes solutes, whatever it may be, like minerals, salts, glucose, all these things we mentioned earlier, to be concentrated in certain areas and supersaturate. This supersaturation of minerals, well, let me simplify it even more. Rocks are made of minerals, kidney stones are rocks, therefore, kidney stones are minerals, which wow. come from supersaturation. What a, what a great argument. Yes, great. Yeah. Um, but we should talk about kidney stones in particular, since our focus today isn't on the kidney. Mm -hmm. And I guess to start off, like, you know, some background. Apparently, yeah, a 12% of the world population at some point is going to have a kidney stone. 
Okay, 12% is actually a lot. I'm yeah, like, it's a lot. <laughs> I kind of forgot that stat, but like, that's a lot of people. Actually, a great point I want to mention is uh, there's other names to having kidney stones or the disease of having kidney stones. Okay. And uh, if, I guess if you have kidney stones, you're in luck because you can make it sound scarier than it is. Okay, so I'm going to say the two names and you tell, rate them, okay? Out of okay. 10. Okay. Nephrolithiasis. Uh, like 7 out of 10, I guess. Okay, that's pretty good. That's higher than I expected. Okay. Urolithiasis. No, like five. Yeah, urolithiasis, like, I don't know why it reminded me of, like, some type of, like, string. Anyways, mm. yeah, so lithiasis, <laughs> let's just break down those words real quick. Lithiasis basically means a formation of stone or calculi, and it happens in two places. The nephro, which is a descriptive word for kidney, or ural, which is urine. Pretty much the reason they sound scary, at least to me, is because they have the iasis in it. Oh, yeah. Right, and we learned, I guess, in med term, if you guys have taken the course, that iasis pretty much means some sort of condition. So anything with an iasis is uh, it's not good. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess we should talk about the specific mechanism behind these, uh, I guess, what, stones or calculi? Yeah, so calculi, not calculus, the math, uh, which I'm sure all of you have great experience in, uh, refers to calcification of something, a.k.a. like the hardening or concreting of something. If you're learning about kidney stones, there's one we're going to come across a lot, yep. which is supersaturation. We don't know why it's called supersaturation. We didn't name this. Yeah. Like we're thinking, like, well, what what name did you think it was Sufal? Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I, I thought of this whole process. I'm like, yo, there must be like extra saturation, fine saturation, mm. or like crazy saturation. Like you know, they probably went through. There's some scientists that went through a bunch of names, right. and one of them was probably like, yo, super saturation, super saturation. yeah, alliteration <laughs> on point. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess super saturation, and it's pretty much where you have all these calogenic substances, aka these uh, crystal formers in high concentration and that's what that's what really it's saturated with yeah um yeah but yeah these calogenic substances form well it sounds like a video game sort of they form these seed crystals of oh some yeah sort. I, I, we brought this up earlier before while we were researching this topic like seed crystal 100 percent some rare item in some game like i just know it okay like i'm sure some of you guys are thinking about it already but these seed crystals they form through this thing called nucleation heterogeneous nucleation specifically where the seed crystal is found in the papilla we mentioned it earlier it's like the top of the pyramid essentially it aggregates and grows into a bigger mass aka the stone and i since we need to break it down a bit more because nucleation isn't a term you know i throw yeah, around, i have no idea I, I don't throw around casually nucleation is defined as a random formation of a mass uh, usually through a distinct thermodynamic process or through a change in phase and it has two flavors one of them being heterogeneous and the other one be other one being homogeneous so oh, okay. heterogeneous is when a phase transformation happens and like you know from liquid to solid or like gas to plasma whatever it may be and homogeneous is when it's spontaneous and you know there's no other factors really helping out the nucleation hmm, okay okay now that we've covered that Let's talk about Randall's plaque, okay? Who? Now, Randall, Rand, not Randall Park. I know you heard Randall Park. Right? <laughs> great actor. I love him. Fresh off the boat. Great series. But Randall's plaque, uh, I'm assuming is also named after some guy named Randall. <laughs> Another Randall. <laughs> yeah, it's like the basically the start of kidney stone formation. So uh, Randall's plaque is caused by when there's some interstitial tissue damage caused by oxidative stress. So this oxidative stress causes damage to the urothelial covering the renal papilla to calcify. So pretty much what that means is, just to simplify it, is there's this uh, urethelial covering is like a type of membrane that's on the renal papilla, the tip of the pyramid, and essentially there's damage there, so it starts calcifying. Uh, why does it calcify? Well, the nephron, that part of the nephron is exposed directly to urine. There's no longer a membrane okay. like as a barrier, and that exposure causes, uh, I guess, a plaque to build up. You know, the minerals are attaching to it and building up. In most kidney stones, Randall plaque is the attachment point where calcium oxalate stones, which we'll talk more about later, uh, forms. 
And another type of uh, crystal is a calcium phosphate crystal. The calcium phosphate crystals actually don't form with Randall plaque. They form further down the whole kidney chain, uh, further down the nephron tubule, and it depends more on pH for its formation and also needs high calcium concentrations to cause more nucleation. And, uh, oh, important point to actually mention is the fact that calcium phosphate crystals do dissolve, but the second calcium oxalate bind to it, the, even though even if the calcium phosphate does dissolve further along the chain, the oxalate still remains. So like the two can bind together kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you can have a mix of stones pretty much. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, but you didn't mention pH, yeah, uh, yeah. which is, I guess, pretty important to mention. Uh, I'll, I guess I can expand on it, but pretty much, yeah, related to nucleation, pH is pretty important. And the reason is because, I guess, depending on your pH, you have a risk of forming different kidney stones. So it's not that super acidic is good or super basic is good. Uh-huh. Both... I guess, I mean, this is pretty common knowledge. If you have an imbalance in anything, it's it's bad. Um, but specifically, if you have a higher pH, then you're more likely to have those calcium phosphate containing stones. But yeah. if it's more acidic, then it's more of those uric acid or cysteine ones. And it's, the reason, at least I guess for the uric acid one, is because if you have low pH, it's because of there's more uric acid in it, right? Yeah. And more uric acid gives the rise to this term called, I might butcher this, uh, hyperurocosuria. Yeah. Um, aka high uric acid levels a right, quick story about this like learning how to pronounce this while we we're doing the research we're like yo how do we pronounce this we find this channel okay the channel's name is pronunciation, <laughs> pronunciation guide. guide so we're like okay this guy has to be top notch right he won't he won't it was, be like, it was like a 20 second video it's, too right yeah so it's not like a minute long video we click play this man butchered it to hell <laughs> oh my god <laughs> no, i've talked about my little rant on that channel one last thing we should actually touch on is hypocituturia so pretty wow, much you got uh, it right yeah i know right (laughs) (laughs) but um if you took a medical terminology class like marvin apparently did i I, I don't know about him taking a class uh but it refers to low urinary citrate excretion citrate meaning the thing you typically get citrate citrate? oh citrate my bad i guess i butchered it the second time around but it's a thing you might associate with oranges when this condition occurs it is associated with two-thirds of cases so when you have this condition two out of three times you're getting a kidney stone and how does citrate reduce it well it reduces the supersaturation of calcium salts by essentially forming a complex with calcium therefore there's not enough calcium to help build the stone okay yeah Yeah, it makes sense yeah Yeah. um okay i mean we touched up on a lot of the minerals earlier so let's just jump straight to like what types of Oh, yeah. Well, everyone's waiting for pretty much. Yeah, exactly. The the meat of our our presentation, I guess. Um, But most people think that, you know, you either have kidney stones or you don't. But that idea is kind of wrong. The most common type of kidney stones is based off of calcium oxalate. These make up about 80% of cases where people have kidney stones and they form from, you know, random plaques. Who else? (laughs) Randall's plaques. (laughs) Randall's plaques, exactly. And the less common ones are made out of calcium phosphate, struvite, uric acid, cysteine, and followed by like a couple of other minerals that aren't as important and we're not going to jump into them but what is important though is tech we mentioned earlier it can be composed of multiple things like your kidney stone won't purely be of calcium phosphate it's a high chance it'll have mm. other minerals on it okay another important thing is okay because we thought initially kidney stones would just be like stones in the kidney yeah but apparently it's anywhere from the kidneys to like the urinary urinary, urinary bladder like yeah, yeah pretty much anywhere from your kidneys and afterwards anywhere, right? anywhere down that chain right and and pretty much if it, it is if it is in the kidney i guess if we have a diagram here hopefully yeah it's, it would be in the renal calluses uh where the urine collection begins or in the renal pelvis but otherwise like yeah usually it's at the renal papillae of those renal calluses and if it's not there, then it's somewhere else along the, I guess, what the urinary tract, right? If okay. not, if not in the kidney. Okay, so let me let me backtrack again. So we have pelvis stones, 
We have calyx stones, we have ureteral stones, and bladder yeah. stones. And the first two are in the kidneys. The other okay. two are. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So pretty much we have a you know, low chance of, I guess, a part where we don't form stones. And if you think that's bad, actually, I don't know if you know this, Marvin, but have you ever seen an image of those kidneys? Like, it's literally like actual kidneys from a surgery that look like rocks. I have not. What is this? Okay, so pretty much this is the thing. I learned about it just doing research about this. But there's this thing called a staghorn stone. Staghorn stone? Staghorn stone, okay. yes. The name is very unique. Again, alliteration. They love it, you yeah, know? Yeah, okay. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty much like a big stone that fills up the renal pelvis and takes up multiple of these calluses. So not, not just one calyx. Like no. it's, oh my God. Exactly. Okay. And apparently they're really hard to deal with. If you're getting a kidney stone, pray for a smaller one. <laughs> or, or pray for none, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've talked about those uh, stones and how they're formed, let's jump into treatment. So let me give you a scenario, Marvin. Mm-hmm. Say I was born in the 1900s. Do I live? Do I die? Kidney stone? Might be closer to die, just saying. But, you know, because like chemolysis wasn't a thing until like 1920s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, I guess that sucks. What, like, say I was born 20 or 30 years later. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, chemolysis was developed in the 1920s. And pretty much for like a long, long, t- long time, it's been used as like the primary treatment. Um, for kidney stones, I think the most popular one across the period was like renacidin, but nowadays we're not really using it because we have way more advanced surgical ones. Um, ah, and I yeah. can jump in on that. Yes, you talk about ah, this part. Great segue again. Okay, so pretty much there's three ways uh, to do it. First one being shockwave lithotripsy. Long story short, it's pretty much in the name. You shake your kidney, you break apart the stones. Uh, it's really painful, so they knock you out. And it's useful to break it down. Usually two centimeters are smaller in diameter. Unfortunately, as you know, when you break a rock, it breaks into sharp fragments, causes kidney damage, a little bit of, you know, bloody pee and whatever else it may be. Uh, and if the stones are large, you can't really do anything. Uh, on top of that, it doesn't work for patients who are a little bit more on the thicker side, you know, mm-hmm. obese, side, yep. because there's just too many, too much dampening material before the shockwave can get to the kidney. Uh, another, the second option is ureteroscopy. I think I pronounced that right, but it's pretty much popular for like proximal ureteral stones. They use an endoscope, they go in and they remove the stone. That's pretty much it. And the last one is percutaneous nephrolithotomy. Nice. Yeah, I got it. First <laughs> try, first try. But pretty much it's, they make a cut in your back. They use a nephroscope again, remove the fragments. And this one is usually used when there's a lot of large kidney stones because the other two are less invasive, but that's pretty much it in terms of that. Oh, okay. Wait. As a biopharm student, I do have an obligation to talk about some drugs. Okay. Although to, I'll just keep this quick because it's not really the main focus. Uh, once again, surgery is the main thing. But yeah, if some kidney stones can be passed if they're small enough, just with just by yourself. Mm-hmm. And but in that case, sometimes it can be sort of uncomfortable. Um, so in that case, you want to use uh, something like an alpha one receptor antagonist, like tamsulosin. Yep. <laughs> might have that wrong, but pretty much it helps the uh, ureter relax, meaning you can pass the stone a bit easier. Other cases, you have these things called thiazides, which are pretty much lower urinary calcium. Hmm. And then allopurinol is something that uh, is a xanthine oxidase inhibitor. And there's a pathway through this where it ends up in the lower production of uric acid because you're blocking xanthine oxidase. Okay, well, cool. Oh, we actually didn't mention this, but if you think you have a kidney stone, look for these symptoms. Intense cramping, blood urine, and UTIs, urinary tract infections. But say you want to prevent yourself from getting a kidney, there's a few things you can do. First things first, you can change your race. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, you, you can do that? Yeah, okay, no problem. Well, did it last uh, Wednesday. Jokes, <laughs> jokes aside, pretty much there's a scale. Caucasians are the most likely to get it. Then it's Hispanics, Asians, and then finally Africans. Top of that, there's other factors. Like if you have hypertension or you drink caffeine. I don't. You don't drink caffeine? So I'm good. Okay, but I think you have friends that drink a lot of caffeine. Oh, you told yeah. me some story about some. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's that's not part of it. But genetics are also a big factor. Some men and women in different populations can excrete as low as 50 to 500 milligrams of calcium. 
per day. And calcium excretion, like even the amount you excrete, is fully based off of your family lineage. Like it's something that's genetic. Oh, obesity is a big factor as well. So I mean, like I know I got a little bit thick over quarantine, mm-hmm. so I should probably start losing some pounds. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you want to cut back on how much animal protein you're having. I know you had, you had pork chops for lunch, right? So. Bruh, I had pork chop in the summer. Okay, chill. Okay, well, anyways, um, oh, and one last one I guess Sufal didn't mention was yeah, males apparently have an increased risk, like double than that females. So yeah, it sucks to be us, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, I guess animal protein. Let's explain that one because that one's something we can do something about, right? So yeah, animal protein apparently has a lot of sulfur in its amino acids, and the oxidation of sulfur causes these generates all these protons, which it affects you know urine ph decreasing it there's also a lot of purines in animal protein and these get broken down to uric acid with more uric acid that means lower ph and uric acid is actually less soluble with decreased ph meaning that it has a higher chance to precipitate forming those uric acid stones or even contribute to i guess what, what was the term nucleation yeah nucleation. yeah nucleation of calcium oxalate crystals and calcium oxalate stones okay cool well um i mean i'm very happy with your attack on my pork chop eating behavior in the summer but that aside pretty much the amount of sodium and water you take in is going to affect it and that's completely something you can control just jumping into those mechanisms just as a last idea if you drink more water you're going to increase your urine volume therefore decreasing concentrations of all these minerals and that can slow down the stone formation process and stone formation actually you just pretty much don't want super saturation of all these compounds that form it on top of that if you take in a lot more sodium like a lot you, of pork chops yeah okay okay sure yeah. if you take in a lot of pork chops or sodium well-seasoned delicious pork chops you actually excrete more calcium why is that exactly well calcium excretion is due to sodium being re- reabsorbed less and calcium thus reabsorbed less in the proximal tubule the majority of calcium that's reabsorbed by passive paracellular transport through the permeable epithelium of the proximal tubule. That's a lot of jargon, but if you look at the diagram we had earlier, that will probably explain what exactly we're talking about. And of course, sodium reabsorption provides the driving force for calcium reabsorption through all the mechanisms I just mentioned. So when your body is trying to get rid of sodium, aka those delicious pork chops, you're also getting rid of calcium. Okay, so pretty much to summarize, if I want to reduce my chances of kidney uh, stones, I got to change my race, which I did last Wednesday, like I said. Yeah. Uh, diet, sex, and yeah, pretty much my entire life. Yeah, yeah. same for me, same for me. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, well, right. I think we covered everything we need to, but if you guys want to learn more, um, there's, there's always more online, there's classes, and of course there's Google. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, if there's any questions or concerns, feel free to DM us on Instagram at tellmeaboutpodcast or email us at tellmeaboutofficial at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you next time, except if you're in a class, because now the question period begins and you can barrage us with your questions. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye.